I've been thinking about the market lately. Uh, my broker says now's a good time to look into tax-free income. What's your broker say? Well, my broker's E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. How many have seen these before? The, yeah, the older people. Okay. <clears throat> We're only talking about 20 years. So. <clears throat> you got the idea, right? Yeah? When this, when this company speaks, people listen. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. When Jesus speaks, people should listen. Amen? We're going to uh, continue in our series in the book of Luke. So please, if you will, turn with me to chapter 10 of the gospel of Luke. And we'll continue where we left off last week. <clears throat> Wonderful <clears throat> little vignette here of a domestic scene in the home of uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Verse 38. Now what happened is they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> Ordinary, everyday scene. I, I love the word of God, don't you? And you might be wondering, this is such a mundane scene. Why does God put it in the Bible? Why does he tuck take up space to put such an ordinary event. I thank God that he does. He has everything from wars and kings and rulers and miracles to just everyday ordinary events. And uh, I can relate to the ordinary everyday events sometimes more easily than I can to the uh, big events. Not that they're not important, but... We can see ourselves probably most easily in just everyday occurrences like this. So God put it in here for many reasons. Certainly, uh, there's an example to follow here and an example to avoid. And there's something we can learn about Jesus and about ourselves. <clears throat> First of all, let's, uh, let's get right down to the issues here. Verse 39, it says, Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. I think if you got right down to it, a lot of people would say, you know, Mary is really being lazy here. You know, Martha's got a point. What's going on? I got to do all, By the way, we'll assume that the much serving here is uh, some kind of meal preparation. That's probably what we're talking about. <clears throat> 
So Martha is single-handedly getting the, the meal ready. And here's Mary in, uh, let's say, the living room with Jesus. She's at his feet listening to him. How can she justify that? Poor Martha. Right? Don't you think she needs a little help? Particularly since she's doing much serving. You, have you ever uh, been a, busy about something in the house and uh, somebody's watching something on the TV and uh, you, you catch what's going on and all of a sudden you, you really get interested and you drop what you're doing and you go in and sit down and before you know it, an hour has passed. You forgot what you were doing before because you got so caught up, so focused on the program. You ever had that happen? Never had that happen. Wow. Imagine Jesus in the other room. Teaching, talking about God, about man, about heaven, about hell, about sin, about salvation, about what life is all about. And you happen to catch what's going on. What would you do? Well, I trust you'd at least do what you would have done with the television. Right? Drop what you're doing. I would. And man, this is a rare opportunity. Let me go in there. I want to listen to Jesus. And that's what Mary had done, you see. You see, uh, Jesus, by being there and speaking... Once he starts speaking, he's determined what we all need to be doing. And that's listening to him. Do you understand? Can you imagine Jesus starts speaking? Maybe think of something in the Bible, the Beatitudes, you know, or uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Something where he's teaching us about spiritual things. And you say, uh, Lord, could you hold that thought for a moment? I, I got something I got to do. I'll be back in a minute. I'm busy right now. You know, we'll pick up where, where you left off. Can you imagine that? Listen, when Jesus talks, people should listen. If there's anyone we should be listening to, it's Jesus. And let me, and I'm going to be talking to the believers this morning, the people who know Jesus Christ, the, the Christians. If you don't know the Lord, let me just give you one verse that talks about the importance of the words of Jesus. Here's what he said. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes on him who sent me has right now eternal life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Listen to the importance of Jesus' words. He who believes on him who sent me after hearing my words, he's saved. He's, he's going to heaven. He's got eternal life right now. That, that's pretty uh, significant uh, words, I think, if somebody talks like that. And if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then uh, there's no reason to wait. It's all right here. Okay, but uh, now I'm going to talk to the believers this morning, like I said, and let me just ask you, do you love God's word the way Mary does?
Think about it. We saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, verse 24, you might glance at it there. Remember, he was sending out the 70 ahead of him in pairs to prepare the way. And um, he was so excited. Jesus got excited. Remember? It said he rejoiced in the Spirit. Only place in the Bible it says that. Jesus was so excited as he saw these simple guys going out untrained professionally, obviously trained by him, and uh, preaching the Word of God. And at the uh, very end of his excitement, he says this in verse 24, For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear. And have not heard it. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about himself. Kings and prophets longed to see my day, to see me, the Messiah. I'm here. You guys see me. They would have longed to hear the Messiah preach and teach. You're hearing it all the time. I'm excited. You should be. This is a great thing. Listen. The disciples didn't know a a fraction of what we know. We understand Jesus was God come in the flesh who died on the cross, was risen again. And now right here, 2012, you and I can trust in that finished work and know we're going to heaven. How's that? Is that pretty good? Man, they didn't know that. We've heard that. What marvelous words. If anybody should be excited, it's us. I love the word of God. And uh, as I thought of that, Jesus said, you know, kings have longed to uh, hear the things that you guys have heard. They have longed to hear the things you guys have heard. And they didn't get to, Jesus said. They never heard it. Think of David. How little he knew. If they knew uh, enough to get excited about, David was in the dark. He didn't know who the Messiah was, when he was coming. That God was actually going to become a man and walk among us and do miracles. And die on the cross for his sins. I think he would have had a heart attack if you tried to tell him that. And yet, David loved The word of God. And you know what David had? You know, put your finger in your Bible way back here. That's about all. And he didn't have it at home. He didn't have a a print, nice printed, you know, fresh from the press, complete version. He heard the word occasionally. But what he heard stuck with him. And the longest chapter in the Bible Interestingly enough, written by David is a psalm. Psalm what? Who knows what it is? 119. Psalm 119, written by David, is about the Word of God. And how much he loves it. And we're talking Moses. We're talking Old Testament. He didn't know what we know. And yet he got so excited about the Word of God. Listen to just a few samples From that one psalm, Psalm 119, 176 verses of enthusiasm for the law of God. He says, 
I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. He's speaking from the heart. He's not making this stuff up. He really means this. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This is an Old Testament guy. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And again, I love your testimonies. I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. You feel that way? Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. And again, I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. And finally, my soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I love them a lot. That's David talking about how he loved the word of the Lord. Well, Mary sat at Jesus' feet. That's important. She didn't uh, sit on the couch, you know, across from him and have a conversation. This is a one-way monologue. Jesus is talking, okay? You let him uh, direct the conversation and do the talking and just listen. So she's sitting down at his feet on the floor, listening to him speaking. It's a rare opportunity. Imagine, just, just think for a moment, what a privilege this was for her. How many times do we read the Bible about the multitudes, the crowds, and Jesus addressing <clears throat> hundreds, if not thousands of people? She, she's a one-man audience. Can you imagine what a privilege alone with Jesus listening to him talk about God and about spiritual things? Wow. When was the last time you did this? You know, we have this privilege as believers one on one with the Lord, with this. And just to listen to him. We need to come prepared in heart, just like uh, Mary, freed from distractions, first of all. And uh, let me just make a comment. When I say freed from distractions, I mean, we need to make a deliberate effort when we come to hear the Lord Jesus to clear our minds, focus. You know, you, you ever sat down and somehow you just... You, 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 uh, it just read six verses and you can't remember what they said. You ever had that? Or one verse, you know, you got to the end of, what did I just read? That's, that's rude. You know, it really is, okay? Imagine a friend, you're talking with a friend, you know, you ever had this? Uh, I'm sorry, I just zoned out for the last five minutes. Could you repeat what you just said? Now, once might be forgivable. But not all the time, right? So I know every once in a while, uh, in fact, frequently, <clears throat> brothers will pray, Lord, clear our minds or, you know, deliver us from distractions and so on. Well, if you're really burdened with, with uh, troubles, that might be a valid prayer. But to pray it all the time, that's not a good thing. Would you go to a friend and say, uh, Yeah, okay, I'd like to talk with you, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay attention. 
you know, I just got so much on my mind. Right, You go ahead and talk, but I'm probably not going to hear you. Can you imagine? How would you feel? You're, you're saying, you know, look, you're not that important. I'm sorry. I don't think what you're about to say is all that important to me. Did you know that we're commanded in the Bible to control our thoughts as believers? I love First Peter. It's an old uh, expression. I'm glad they haven't changed it in the New King James. Peter, it's a command. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. That means control yourself. Get ready for action mentally. He says, you do it. Don't pray to God and ask him to gird up the loins of your mind. He says, you do it. Because you can. Beautiful, poetic way to put it. Second Corinthians. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's a command. Isn't that good? Every thought. He says, every thought, oh, you, you should be bringing it into captivity into the obedience of Christ. In other words, if there's something there that conflicts with Christ, get it out of there. doesn't belong. If it's hard to focus on Jesus, then you, you need to ask for forgiveness of sin. <laughs> Lord, I got a bad attitude. I'm not disciplining myself. If I can listen to my friends, I can listen to you. Secondly, pray. Ask him to speak. You know, Lord, I want to hear you. I really want to hear you talk to me. Now, I'm not talking about an audible voice here or visions or that kind of thing. But you know what I'm talking. If you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about when I say I really want God to speak to me through his word right now. Don't you? And you know when he does and when he doesn't. Um, wonderful phrase, I'm sure most of you know it, from the Old Testament. Samuel, little boy in the uh, tabernacle there with Eli. And he's been given to the Lord by his mother, of course. You know, he's, he's basically a gift to God. And he's lying there, hadn't gone to sleep yet, and he hears someone calling his voice, and he thinks it's Eli, the, the high priest. And Samuel goes into Eli and says, here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And Eli realizes it was God. And it's wonderful. Eli says, you just go back and lie down. And when you hear that again, he says, you just say, Lord, here I am. Speak to your servant. I'm here. I want to hear your word. And that's what he did. Lord, speak for your servant hears. Pray that and mean it. Be ready. <clears throat> and then listen. You know a good way to listen? Read a passage and then read it again. And then read it again. And then reread it. And keep reading it. And uh, you know what I'm talking about if you've had this experience. God begins to to heal, he'll speak. Jesus will speak. Now, I'm not talking again about an audible voice, but uh, you'll begin to see things that you didn't notice before. God will give you new insights. 
It might be about something in your life. It might be about something about him. Some insight that you never saw before. Uh, I've been a Christian for 30 years now. And uh, a lot of passages I've read easily hundreds of times by now. And I can tell you right now, even the ones I've read hundreds of times, when I listen to the Lord the way I'm describing right now, I see something I never saw before to this day. This passage right now that uh, I'm talking about, I don't know how many times I've read this or heard it. And as I prayerfully sat down at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, speak, your servant hears. I saw all kind of stuff I'd never seen before. I hope you're still having that happen in your life as a believer. If it's if you're not, <clears throat> then let me tell you, you haven't finished the Word of God. Okay? Yeah, okay, I read that when I'm done. You're never going to get to the bottom of this book. So, if, if it's become a closed book or a dry book, then let me ask you a question. Is the problem with God or is it with you? Which hand has the marble in it? Yeah. Man, I mean, this is, this is my lifeblood as a believer. I should be wearing this thing out. And then having done that, if you've prayed, here you are, a believer in the will of God, studying his word. I think he probably wants you to do that, you know, so we can say it's his will. You know what? He's, he's going to answer that prayer. So be expectant. Be ready. Take notes. Now, when I say that, I don't mean like, you know, the lecture in chemistry. But as God gives you things you haven't seen, write it down. Come back to it. The neat thing is, you know, I've looked over, over the things since I've been a Christian, the things I've written down, and it's new every time, the same passage. And I realize it's not because the Word of God has changed. It's hopefully because I've grown. And as I look back on some of that stuff, I say, well, that's obvious now. It wasn't then. You know, that's good. It's a way of seeing your own growth in the Lord. And it's a good it's a good confirmation to me say, well, the Lord's still talking to me. Praise God. You know. The thing to fear is when you don't hear him anymore, you know, you've turned him off. Your relationship with with the Lord's word, my relationship as a believer is really it's a measure of my devotion, our devotion to him like Mary. I remember one of the first verses I learned as a young believer was First uh, Peter chapter 2. It says to uh, desire the pure milk of the word like newborn babes. And the, the context when I first heard that was you're a new you're a new baby in Christ. You're just born, you know. And so we're talking about baby Christians. And I kind of got the idea that it's just baby Christians that need to desire the word that way. Isn't that silly? But that was kind of the way I got it, you know. But that's not what it's saying. Look, if you're an old Christian like me now, you should be desiring the, the uh, word of God the same way. Like a baby desires the pure milk. That's what he's saying. Mary was devoted to the Lord. And of course, it showed in her life 
later. She's the one that anointed him with the oil that filled the house uh, with its uh, fragrance. Interesting, by the way, uh, as I thought about it, you know, she got rebuked here <laughs> by her sister for being lazy when she was devoted to the Lord. Plan on being misunderstood sometimes, you know, if you're really devoted to the Lord. Later, um, when she anointed his feet with the expensive perfume, remember what happened? They complained. What was the phrase? Why this waste? We could have sold this stuff and, and uh, made a fortune on it and given it to the poor instead of dumping it on Jesus' feet. She got rebuked again. Praise God, in both cases, Jesus came to her rescue and said, no, she did exactly the right thing. Okay, verse 40. <clears throat> Ominous words, but, but Martha. That is in contrast. Martha was distracted, says. Now, let's be clear about this. Uh, she was distracted. It sounds like she's a victim. Poor Martha. She can't help it. Right? We, we might be able to get away with that except for one big word that Jesus uses in verse 42. What does he say that Mary had done? She chose. You see that? <clears throat> it says Mary has chosen that good part. He's kindly telling Martha Look, your situation is by choice. Mary made a good choice. You made a bad choice. You're this way. You're troubled. You're vexed. You're in turmoil because you chose to be that way. You're not a victim. <laughs> and uh, so so much here to present a woman just... You could picture she's just all bubbling inside with trouble and anxiety and worry. She was distracted with much serving. That's interesting. In other words, it looks like she's really going overboard, which would be great if Jesus were just sitting there waiting to be served on. But he's he's teaching. Jesus is talking. This is the time to be doing much listening. Much serving. Uh, the thing to do, you know, I wonder, I can just picture her, you know, kind of coming in and going out, you know, just, just a bundle of activity, right? You kind of got that picture here of Martha just rushing to and fro, you know? And, and you, you know that when she comes into the room, she's going to get snatches of what Jesus is saying. And you would think that after hearing just a few words, she'd go, wow, i got to hear more of this. You know, I'm going to just stop what I'm doing. Lord, do you mind? Uh, we'll have, I'll fix the meal later. I'd like to just listen to you right now. But she doesn't. <clears throat> in fact, <clears throat> you kind of get the idea that it's just, it's getting worse. You know, every time she comes in there, here's this lazy Mary, you know, just sitting there. Activities in our lives can distract us from the Lord. Even, by the way, uh, service for him. That's what this is, isn't it? She's serving. Man, what's better? She's serving Jesus. Isn't that what she's supposed to be doing? And even Christian service can get in the way of our relationship with him. 
it's interesting. You know, sometimes <clears throat> we can choose activity to avoid intimacy. Christians pride themselves when they talk to people about what it means to be a Christian. They say, you know, being a Christian is not religion. It's a relationship. You ever heard that? It's true, by the way, isn't it? It's not religion. It's a relationship with a person. And we're so proud of saying that. How's your relationship does it show? If we say that, does it really show in my life that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Like this, like Mary. How is your relationship? How well do you know him? <laughs> now, I'm, I know if you're a Christian, you know the Lord. I didn't ask that. How well do you know Jesus? Think about it. Is he pretty much still a stranger? Or you really know what he's like. The problem here is Martha made a bad choice. Bad choices lead to broken fellowship. And broken fellowship leads to distorted views of God. It's amazing here. There's a sequence of things that she did as a result of her bad choice. First of all, it says she approached him. She came up to him. She's not going to stay silent about this. It's bothering her so much now that she's got to say something. This is incredible. She's not going to suffer in silence anymore. She's not going to be a martyr. So she goes up. Now, this is so, so significant. Lord, do you not care? Don't you care, Jesus? <laughs> Can you imagine asking Jesus that? It only happens twice in the Gospels. The other time, it's almost excusable, of course, uh, when the disciples are in the boat and they're about to sink in the storm. And they, and they come up to Jesus, who is sleeping in the back of the boat, and they say, Lord, don't you care that we're, we're dying, we're perishing? We're going to drown. Don't you even care? Wow. Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins. I think Jesus cares. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you more than you'll ever know. You can exhaust eternity. You're not going to get to the end of how much Jesus really does care for you. Yeah, he cares. <clears throat> Jesus, don't you care? <clears throat> See, we, I, I've done this. We all do this. We make bad mistakes, we get out of fellowship with God, we begin to have strange views of God. Right? He doesn't care. And in fact, we pay the, sometimes when we make our bad choices, we're paying the consequences of our sin, and then we blame Him for His indifference. <clears throat> well, not only did she blame Jesus, but she blamed her sister. My sister has left me to serve alone. Left me, that's a strong word. Literally, she says, my sister's abandoned me. <laughs> ah. And she's saying, Lord, she's abandoned me. All she's doing is listening to you. 
I've already decided that's wrong. She shouldn't be doing that. There's a bigger need in the kitchen. And then these last words, of course, to serve alone. She's abandoned me and now I'm all by myself. It's incredible. She re- here she is. She's rebuking her sister and she's rebuking Jesus. Because obviously Jesus knows what's going on and Jesus hasn't done anything about it. What's wrong with him? She sees it so clearly. And by the way, don't, don't be talking about Mary. Think about your own life. You ever been like this with the Lord? You know, I know better than you, Lord. I'm going to take control here. I know what's needed. I know what you think, but you're wrong. I got a better idea. And then pay for it. She has a solution and she tells Jesus what to do to fix things. Isn't that good? By the way, her solution, first of all, would include uh, Jesus has to stop talking. Because her solution is Mary's not going to go in the kitchen with her and run to and fro. I can't imagine Jesus sitting there and kind of talking to an empty room, you know, and they pick up a few words now and then when they come in, that's not going to work. She's saying, look, the important thing here is that my sister helps me. You just save your sermon until later. Bad decisions when unrepented lead to worse ones, don't they? You make one bad decision, you don't reverse it, you stay in it. Now, my thinking is clouded, it's distorted. And unfortunately, something comes along and I have to make another decision. And it gets worse. Uh, Being a software engineer, I can tell you that that's very common in programs. In fact, maybe if you've run enough software by now, occasionally you'll have a piece of software that um, it'll get into such a state that the guy who wrote the program or the, or the, uh, the team that wrote it recognized in the, in the uh, uh, progression of the code that if they get into a certain state and they look at everything in there and it's not what it should be, they'll print out a message and they'll say something like, there's been an internal error, this should not be happening. Would you like to end the program now? If you continue, things may get worse. You ever seen something like that? That's a good programmer, by the way. Most people don't even bother with that. Okay. It'll get into a bad state and, oh, well, whatever, we'll keep, we'll continue. What's happened is something in memory has gotten messed up. And that's used to make other changes to memory. And pretty soon, if you keep going, the whole thing's just a mess. And it'll just blow up right in front of you. And you could lose some really important stuff. You get the parallel? (laughs) When we get like that spiritually, you know, there's been an internal error. Do you want to continue? You know what you should do with the software? Stop and restart from scratch. That's the only safe thing to do. You know what we should do when we get messed up internally with Jesus? (laughs) Stop. Repent, fresh start, you know, go back to the beginning. And that's what Martha should be doing here. Her, her software has gotten into a bad state. So that's why she comes up with this crazy idea to leave Jesus alone and be distracted together with Mary. By the way, 
Jesus' solution, as we're going to see, is for her to leave the serving and to sit down with Mary, and they might listen together. Who's right, Jesus or Martha? (laughs) Okay, well, um, it's incredible. The Lord is so patient. And uh, in spite of Martha's outburst, he is... Look at verse 41. First of all, the way he addresses her, Martha, Martha. Even in English, it comes across. We sense the, um, the empathy here, the graciousness, you know, to repeat her name like that. Martha, Martha. It's, it's soothing. It's calming. You know, he's speaking calming words to her. She needs it. Because he says, you are worried and troubled about many things. Isn't that interesting? He, he doesn't say, you know, you really messed up way back there on your stupid decision. He looks inside her heart. And the words here in the original are so graphic. He says, I'm looking into your heart and I just see this cauldron of bubbling trouble. The words here, it's like a seething, you know, tumultuous mess. Why would he say he, he's just diagnosing what's going on in her heart? Is that interesting? He doesn't say, you know, you've really done some stupid things. He looks into her heart and he says, what I see there is just trouble and worry and anxiety. He put his finger right on it. Because she's not a victim, it shouldn't be there. All of these things, he's seeing all of these thoughts. You can imagine what, how it's built up by now. All these things she must be weighing in her mind. Uh, you know, the, the, the soup is boiling over. The bread's about to burn. You know, she's trying to keep track of all this stuff. Uh, do we have enough of this? Where are we all going to sit now that we've got an extra person? You know, and then on top of that, this concern about her sister, and it's just eating at her. Every time she sees her and they're sitting on the floor, it's just a churning mess of worry and confusion and anxiety, and it finally blows up at Jesus. And so Jesus looks inside of her heart and he says, that's what it's like inside of you right now. All of these things churning around. And then it's great. Verse 42. But, look at this, one thing, as opposed to what? Many things. All of this stuff that she's feeding on, all these concerns and worries and anxieties, he says, there's just one. Isn't it great? Jesus simplifies life. One thing, he says, is really necessary. Just one. And Here's the irony of the whole thing. That one thing isn't even in her heart. It's not one of the things she's so concerned about. (laughs) That one thing is listening to Jesus. And that's not even in there. There's no room for it. (laughs) She's excluded it. One thing he says is necessary. Listening to me. He says a similar thing. Later, when Mary anoints his uh, feet with the uh, expensive perfume. And they say, oh, why this waste? You know, should have sold it and given the money to the poor. You remember what Jesus said? He said, you've always got the poor with you. 
but me, you don't always have. Is that, it's, that, he could say that here. I'm not always going to be here with you. This is a rare opportunity. Here I am in your home. No multitudes, just the two of you. Not many people have this privilege. Look, Jesus only ministered for about three and a half years. Three and a half years of rare opportunities like this to be alone with God in the flesh. What an opportunity. One thing, that's the one thing. And he's also saying, by the way, to us, brothers and sisters, we have to be careful when we're serving the Lord that we forget to take time to be with him first. Just spend some time at his feet. One thing is necessary. It's a matter of choice. And he says, Mary has chosen wisely and you still can. You know, we really don't know what Martha did. I hope she said, you're right, Lord. I was wrong. It can wait. Let me go turn the stove off and I'll be right in. You know, but we don't know. God doesn't tell us. But we know Mary chose wisely. And this is wonderful. He says, Mary has chosen that good part. And listen to what he says, which will not be taken away from her. Is that interesting? Why does he say that? He's saying this is an eternal benefit for her. It's never going to be gone. She's not going to lose it. Now, Mary is with the Lord now and has been for quite a while. And what he's saying is even right now, after centuries in heaven, she will never forget that time when she sat at Jesus' feet. That'll be, that'll be hers forever. That's what he's saying. Never be taken away. You know how many people in heaven are going to be able to look back at a time like that? It was such a rare time. God in the flesh, in the home, an opportunity to just sit and listen to him. Never happened again. We have the next best thing. And that is to be able to sit at his feet and hear him this way. Jesus was right. What did he say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And our times with him. Now, right now, seeing by faith, just spending time with him. You're not going to be able to do it again. You get to heaven, you can't, you're going to see him. There's not going to be an opportunity to just sit at his feet like you can right now. And listen and have him speak to you. That's precious. And it's, it's not just an option. It's essential. It's necessary. One thing he said is necessary. And I've forgotten how to or I've neglected sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. I'm not leaving out an option. I'm leaving out what's essential for my relationship with him as a believer. Mary took, uh, saw the uh, rare opportunity of sitting at the feet of God in the flesh. She dropped everything and sat and listened. We need to do the same thing. Let's pray. Lord, what a joy and a privilege it is to be able to sit at your feet and just to hear you. Lord, we pray that we might be able to uh, do just this, drop everything and uh, really focus on you. We do long to hear you speak to us. 
Lord, we confess that often we allow other things to crowd into our lives. And when we do get apart with your word, it's just a, a book we're with. And you're not there. Help us, Lord, to focus on you, to show that we truly are devoted by you to you, that we that we love you, that we do want to spend time with you, not just a book. And that we might, uh, by our own will, clear our minds of distraction and wait for you to speak to us. Lord, as we get along with you, may we say and mean it. Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. We ask it in your own precious name. Amen.